0: I was on Twitter and everyone was like, like what is happening?
1: Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. It's just a measure of how their season has been going. They, they can't catch a break no matter how hard they're trying. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTV Sports app now. The Koi Gig pod and OTV Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.
0: Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. We're very proud of the the team's performance.
2: Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them.
0: Hello there and welcome to the eighth episode of the Koi Gig Pod, off the balls home of the women's Super League, Irish football and everything in between. I'm Kathleen McNamee and as always with me is the one and only Karen Duggan. Karen, nice quiet one before Christmas? You know, chilling some Christmas
2: carols? Oh yeah. Yeah, (laughs) just, just... Having good time, just taking in the atmosphere. Yeah, quiet weekend again. Um, but no, I was at uh, a wedding, at Irish international, Julianne Russell. So shout out to Julianne and Kieran. Um, fantastic weekend for them. Managed to catch the the highlights, though. Obviously, this this podcast comes first. <laughs> but no, um, I was bridesmaid for Julianne, so we had a great weekend. But yeah, managed to get the highlights and and look at a good bit few of the matches. Um, nothing too surprising in there this week, I don't think.
0: No. Constant yeah. professional as well from you going to a wedding and still managing no, that's to. Get me. The that's and stuff. me. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, we all send our best wishes to the happy couple. We love a good wedding, especially ones that involve some Irish internationals. Um, the Coiming Partner of TV Sports is an association with Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland Women's National Team. Our guest this week will be a true hot hero of Irish football, the goal-scoring, record-setting, and all-round legend that is Olivia O'Toole. Very excited to talk to her. Um, she has some incredible stories. Emma Carroll will also jo- join us later on with her Team of the week saved slightly from the wreck of fixtures that was. And I think it actually makes for an interesting one because obviously the big teams were all cancelled. So it makes for like, I guess, see a few players that we might it not always. In the past, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and I suppose just to launch straight into that for like our general review of the weekend, obviously we didn't have Arsenal, we didn't have City, we didn't have Chelsea. So it was kind of nice in a way actually to focus on some of the smaller teams, some of the lesser fixtures. Um, I'm going to start off with one that I think will have a massive impact for the rest of the league and obviously and the rest of the season, and that is Leicester and Birmingham. Massive win for Leicester, terrible loss for Birmingham, and it really puts them kind of
2: under pressure now for the rest of the season. Yeah, big time. You could, you could sense it from both teams how much the win meant to Leicester and just the heads dropping on the Birmingham team. They knew that this was their chance to maybe climb a little bit away and and kind of kickstart their their next year but they've gone into the break on the back of a lot of bad losses now and this was a bad loss they had a couple of chances but you couldn't say that Leicester didn't deserve it on the overall um scheme of things based on what I saw they they created more chances and they were just more clinical
0: Mm, and it was I mean it's great to see that from Leicester in the sense that obviously They've had the worst start of any promoted team ever in the WSL, but the games themselves have been quite close. They haven't, it's not that they have necessarily been underperforming, I suppose, it's just that adjustment to the new league, the adjustment to the pace and everything else. And like they have done quite well. And if I was to choose between the two teams, and if they are the two that are battling out for relegation come the end of the season, you would think, but some of the performances that Leicester do deserve it a bit more at the moment considering some of the larger performances they've put in
2: yeah I definitely agree with that I mean the thing when you're scrapping at the bottom of the league you have to get the basics right and defensively they look more solid than Birmingham do Birmingham look like they could even though they conceded the first goal it was just weak defending at the edge of the box and there was a couple of chances then they're trying to play the three at the back and I'm not really sure they knew exactly what they were doing whereas Leicester seemed to kind of pin that down they're, they're harder to break down um like you say they've had some results that have gone against them but you can't say that they looked completely outclassed at times whereas Birmingham kind of have in in a lot of those games now they'll obviously scrapped the end and the new manager has spoken about how much he believes in the players and all that but you just think going into the new se- the new second half of the season that it's, it is going to prove very difficult for them and you can see Leicester improving which um doesn't bode well for Birmingham, unfortunately, considering how many girls we do have on that team. it's They have a tough run ahead of them.
0: No, definitely not. I saw some interesting stats at the weekend that uh, Louise Quinn, of her five shots in the WSL, she scored two goals, which is like conversion rate of 40%. And the rest of the squad has only scored twice from 53 shots, and that's a conversion rate of 3.8%. And obviously... Yeah, you know, as great as Louise is, she don't, you don't want her to be the person on the team who has the top conversion rate and even stuff like they're, they've they played, I think, close to 30% of the long, most long passes in the entirety of the league, which just shows they're just booting balls up and hoping yeah. it gets to well, someone rather than
2: playing. Yeah, it's a thankless job. Yeah, it's a thankless job for your strikers. And, and that's reflected in the stats that you said there. They're looking at Louise to her goals have come from a couple yards out as well like their set pieces which obviously are going to be important for a team like Birmingham. um but it's it's the other end of the pitch and, and the goals that they're leaking. If they could grind out a few draws they could build on that but they're just they're just too open at the back and they're conceiving kind of avoidable goals, things from crosses, just a lack of communication maybe just a lack of confidence it looks like at this point as well.
0: Definitely um I suppose what the most well for me probably one of the most interesting fixtures as well that was going into this weekend, regardless of whether Chelsea and Spurs and or Chelsea and Arsenal and all those teams were playing was Spurs and Everton. Just because obviously we've seen Tottenham improve so much this season, Everton are really struggling, despite the fact that they are normally not in this point. I think at this time last year. Tottenham have eight points more than they did which is great like that just shows the progress this team has made and it's something we've talked about a lot over the Mm. last eight weeks Um, and also the fact that Spurs have never beaten Everton so that 1-0 result was absolutely massive for them.
2: Yeah and I think even going into the match you you nearly would have backed Spurs which you never would have said last season. Um, In saying that Everton do look like they've improved in the last couple of weeks um, particularly in the first half They created a lot of chances, but they weren't clinical. And the thing that Spurs have learned to do this year is to win games, even when they're not playing particularly well or or they're not um, the favourite to win in that way. So they've surprised people a lot um, coming into this season. And they have the confidence now to kind of grind out a win in the way they did. And they got a fantastic goal, it has to be said. Um, So they were well worth their win because obviously, a cliche as it is, it's a game of two halves and Everton couldn't convert those chances that they had in the first half. Um and they're gonna to need to start doing that if they're kind of to turn their form around um and get results based on how they're now playing. But I think Spurs have you just have to give them a lot of credit. Like an eight-point jump from that this time last season is massive, and a lot of credit has to go to their manager there. They really they really seem to analyze the opposition team. I think the game against Arsenal showed that the most. They were so dogged and they knew how to frustrate Arsenal, and then they knew that some of their strengths were hitting on the break and they were able to do that with Everton. And then she kind of cited being more patient and they definitely showed that in the second half and it, it definitely was reflected in that goal that they scored as well.
0: Mm, yeah, you are and you are right about Everton as well. Like they have been building, I think there were three games unbeaten before this. And they are coming up against a very informed Tottenham team. And I'd say if you took them a couple of weeks ago and it was just a 1-0 result against that uh, Spurs team, they probably would have taken it quite happily. Um, I also thought Corpella in goal was really, really great. Like some of the saves she was pulling off were absolutely fantastic. And as you said, it was just that there was a confidence about them that I haven't seen in previous seasons. And I think it's great that with them and also with United winning as well this weekend, that pressure is being kept on those like top three spots and obviously with city underperforming in the way they have it's made for a lot more interesting race than ever before. And obviously we want more of that because I mean it's no fun just Chelsea Arsenal or City winning the whole time and those being the three that end up in the
2: Champions League. Yeah, the Champions League race is going to be really exciting. Um, because you do wonder can Man City kind of start to make a surge and um, can they come up with against Spurs and and United? who both looked really impressive this weekend, particularly Man United. They they didn't let Aston Villa settle into that game at all. And from the first five minutes, I think they got the first goal on eight minutes, they were really, really impressive. Um, But when they played Spurs, there was very little between those two teams. So that's a really hot race. And I think Brighton will want their name mentioned in that one as well. So there's a lot to look at. And obviously Arsenal and Chelsea, that's going to go to the depth as well. But they're the top two, so that other that third place is going to be a really, really hot topic to to look at going into the new year.
0: Yeah, and a pretty a standard result for United against Asa. So I don't think anyone would have respect, expected anything different going into that, but always good for them, I suppose, to get those, especially with the fact that those top teams weren't playing this weekend. It kind of, it makes the table look a little different, even though they do have that goal in hand. I, I think mm-hmm. it seems a lot more achievable or a lot more interesting going into like the new year now that there is a break to focus and say okay well we're only like a point off or we're only a couple of points off in a way that we weren't
2: yeah they'll be very confident going into the new season they've been playing well recently and they maybe just haven't been converting and I think that their manager said afterwards that's what was most pleasing for them that they finally got the result that was reflecting their performances because um they're really they're, they're really good team to watch the way that they press high um it was it's it's really like something to look at the way that they play and they don't let a team who they know they should beat settle at all they never let them grow into confidence in the game and and Aston Villa they didn't create anything you'd have to say and man united were in complete control
0: yeah, definitely. And this isn't WSL, but oh, we always like to shout out our Irish talent and obviously so we have to give Eleanor Ryan Doyle a, a shout out for her goals in the Conte Cup during the week. It was great to see someone like that get on the score sheet, even if the result probably wasn't exactly what they, a team like Birmingham would hope for if they're since they're playing in the WSL. But it was very nice to see her get
2: those. Yeah, no one more deserving than Eleanor. Obviously, I've played with her for years um, at UC Waves, and P mentioned it, and she is a goal scorer. If you give her those opportunities, the the unfortunate thing for Birmingham is they haven't been able to create those opportunities, but she's up and running now with her first professional goals, and hopefully this is a sign of things to come for Eleanor because I think anyone who knows her from, from our league knows her talent. She's been showing it for years and years she was still in the running for top goal scorer in the women's national league going right into the last couple of games and she left in the summer so um that'll tell you how in form she was before she left and she definitely can find that form if if Birmingham just kind of start to click into gear a bit more um she's definitely going to be one to watch but yeah really really delighted for her and hopefully it's some things to come
0: yeah, I was going to say, she just needs to get into a team who can actually deliver yeah. some balls. <laughs>
2: yeah. That a long ball isn't what she's looking for there. Yeah. She wants crosses and she wants to link up play. She's really, really clever player, um, but it has to be happening higher up the pitch. And hopefully we'll get to see some more snippets of that in 2022.
0: Definitely. Well, it's been a pleasure analysing the WSL over the last few weeks with you here. Um, obviously, I have a bit of a break now before we go into the new year, so we can all take a rest but if you have any opinions suggestions or thoughts on who on what on what your favorite player has been this year who has really performed anything at all what do you think about the covid situation do you think all oh, the matches should have been called off this weekend is it just causing more harm actually letting these go ahead do let us know at off the ball on twitter using the hashtag otb gig as always at this point in the podcast we are now joined by emma carroll emma A bit of an interesting weekend, I imagine, for doing Team of the Week, considering the fact that only three games out of the six went ahead. I know I was texting you on Saturday. I don't even know know if any games are going to go ahead tomorrow with the situation the way it was. How did you find doing the Team of the Week? Was it easier? Was it harder?
1: You would probably think that it's easier because you have less games to concentrate on, but it's probably actually harder when you don't have any of those kind of big performers that you think as long as they kind of get a performance in, they're probably going to get in there. But um, at the same time, it gives us a chance to highlight some other players that we won't necessarily be able to shine a light on all that often, especially the Leicester players. So,
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I suppose on that note, do you want to give us your team of the week? Yep. In goal, we have Corpella
1: um, in defence. Then we've got Galton, Turner, Sardowski, and Tierney. Midfield three of Boa Risa, Izzy Christensen and Pike and a front
0: three of Jess Naz, Ella Toon, and Alicia Russo. I think like the first thing I thought when I looked at that team, I was like, those are names that I have. There's a few in there, say like Boarisa, who we had last week and the second week in a row, but there's just so many of them that we haven't seen before. And you mentioned Leicester. Who, for you, out of the Leicester players, was kind of the standout?
1: Well, Molly Pike got two assists, so when you're battling basically a six-pointer against Birmingham, they had to... had to get some kind of results in order to stay afloat and it took them off the bottom so two assists from Pike Tierney I thought was quite quite good as well um at the back and then obviously she got that goal that kind of sealed it up as well and there is a shout out for Sophie Howard as well that scored an absolute bullet to get things rolling as well for Leicester so that was a nice goal um there's probably also an honourable mention for Jess Sigsworth as well who's probably has had a decent enough season in a poor enough team and probably doesn't get an awful lot Block kind of spoke about her because you do have all those, those big superstars um that would obviously go into kind of teams and get all the, the spotlight. Um but yeah, I thought Leicester kind of done what they needed to do against Birmingham and Birmingham was just poor and it's kind of worrying from an Irish point of view when you've got so many Irish players involved and what that might do for their confidence coming into oh. camps and stuff. So yeah, it's not it's not great. Oh, you sound so sad. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of going, you know, three games here Birmingham are one of the games going ahead, I can get some Irish players into the team and it just didn't, it just didn't go that way. Um, Brosnan kind of probably came close, but I think Corpella edged her in that game to get the goalkeeper spot. So, But um, it's good to see Brosnan get, getting a start as well in Everton in an, in a league game. So,
2: Yeah, everyone in the Irish setup will definitely be happy to see that because I think that was one of the things that people said um, when she was being picked over Grace's her game time isn't there, but to like you say, to get a big that's a, that was a big league game to get as well. So that was good to see her. But I think you're right, I think Corpella made some absolutely crucial saves. That first half wasn't easy for Spurs, but they like you said, they grounded out and rounded off by a great goal by Nas.
0: Yeah, I and mean, a name as well that I was quite glad to see in there was some, Ella Toon because I think she's such an interesting player. I think. The fact that Lauren James isn't at United anymore, it's almost given her a bit more opportunity to mark her stamp on the forward line. Um, obviously she's doing really well under Skinner. Like I think her style really suits what he likes, had the two goals against Villa. Um, and also just even her sister right? I think like in home games, she had something like out of the five goals United have scored at home, four of them have been assisted by her. So it's good to see a young player like that kind of really making her mark, especially with United maybe not in people's eye line as much as they were in previous seasons. I feel like she's kind of the player that keeps popping up to be like, hey, don't forget about us. Yeah, she a
2: move for them. I have to say, I, I really enjoy watching her play. She does that kind of like that false nine. She's She's really intelligent, so she can... Play that role. That's not easy to play. And then she's flanked by Russo, who's like a powerhouse. So they have. They seem to be developing a good partnership there because they are kind of yin and yang, and how they play. And yeah, they're one's power, one's kind of more guile, and it's it's working for them. And um, when it does click, they do look like they can get goals. And hopefully, we'll see a lot more from them um, because they are really exciting to watch.
1: Yeah, I think like, likewise with Borussia. As you said, second time you now two weeks in a row that she's in the team of the week as well. She seems to be coming into her own and I think she's going to be a really exciting player to watch for the rest of the season as well. Um, And then I suppose at the back, another Manchester United player, Millie Turner, who obviously missed a lot of the season. But I think she was quite calm and done quite well. And it's probably something that Manchester United were missing a lot of. Um, They obviously had Aoife Mannion and just to have a solid partner for her at the back, I think it's going to be important from the going forward because it really solidifies how they can also attack and get those results that they weren't quite getting earlier on
0: in the season yeah no I definitely agree one person who I thought actually performed quite well over the weekend who was in in your team was Hayley Ladd but she was just in midfield she was like very much in control getting forward a lot to support the attack but also not really that unafraid to you know do all the grafting that she had to do to make sure that those forwards were supported. Obviously, won the penalty as well. So I think that was a name that I would throw into the ring that you necessarily <laughs> didn't mention. <laughs> I think I think there was a lot of
1: Manchester United players that were actually quite good this weekend. Uh, Stanford as well scored a lovely goal. Um, that was you had my follow up covered there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like you really did. So yeah, it was uh, try not to have a, a full team of United either. <laughs> And then, yeah, Izzy Christensen in there as well. I thought she plays well for Everton. She kind of controls the midfield. I think there's probably another mention worth for Tony Duggan that she seems to be very lively, but she's just not getting those finishes and converting. And if she does, then maybe Everton can start to get those results because she's she definitely has a spark, but it's just the finish that she's just not bringing home just yet.
2: It's kind of reflective of Everton's last their season isn't it like they are playing really well in patches and you can see that there's the talent is there but just that final missing piece is just getting it all to click together but yeah she obviously has had that talent she's come back um to Everton back kind of home to to make an impact and hopefully she can start to do that even a little bit more in the second half of the season
0: Yeah one player that I thought like maybe necessarily doesn't deserve to be in this team of the week but someone that I think is kind of interesting to watch for like the rest of the season is Rachel Williams at Spurs just like after the two seasons she's had where like really struggled to score at all and has already got like I think it's four goals and eight or nine appearances or something I think someone like her especially is probably very reminiscent of like why Spurs are so decent this season that players like her are starting to perform in the way that you know they can. Um, I think she's like 10th overall in the WSL scoring charts. So, you know, someone who has quite an illustrious history in the league, but is finally getting, getting into her groove again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you were to pick someone out of that team, Emma, who like was the standout person, who would you go for? I think I'm going to go for Ella Toon. It's probably the player
1: of the weekend for me. Um, just her creativity and getting the two goals as well she was
0: excellent at the weekend yeah definitely and as we said at the start it's always nice to give players like her a bit of a shout out when we don't have the mediums and Curs of the world to fawn over as we know you like to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anna, thank you so much for joining us Um if anyone listening in has any opinions suggestions or thoughts of who should have made the cut or who you've particularly enjoyed watching this season that maybe we haven't given a shout out to any of our team of the weeks, please get them into us on Twitter at Off the Ball using the hashtag OTBCoigig. We're very excited this week to be joined by a proper legend of the Irish game, former Ireland international and top capped player, Olivia O'Toole. Olivia, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's an honour
3: to have you on. Thanks very much, Kathleen. It's nice to meet you.
0: It's lovely to meet you too and obviously it's Christmas week how are you feeling are you all ready for the festivities
3: I'm all set believe it or not I've finished everything today actually after to work <laughs> <laughs> so it's all good you're, you're a step
0: ahead of me already then oh, like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> people can imagine it I'm like, oh, it's only a few days away and I'm like surely it's weeks away I'm not used to this.
3: <laughs> <laughs> have you been
0: into town no, I'm not actually in Dublin at the moment, but I've seen I've seen some nice pictures of Christmas lights and the like, which look lovely.
3: Yeah, well, I like cattle up there, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, no, I was on Grafton Street <laughs> and it was not an enjoyable experience there last week.
0: Olivia, obviously your record kind of speaks for itself in terms of 54 goals, three-time international player of the year. And just a real stalwart of the game I think you ask most of the current Irish internationals and even some that aren't playing anymore and your name will constantly come up as a, a figure that led Ireland and led us through some interesting times in the women's game in Ireland shall we say yeah. what's it like for you now seeing the team competing at the level that it is and I suppose like the fact that we are closer than we've ever been before I would say to qualifying for a major international
3: tournament well when it's absolutely brilliant that's like we are actually like two games away from getting into a european campaign which we've tried for for the last 20 years where we were we were close but not that close but to see like the girls stepping up to the mark and like they're really really trying to get into an international tournament it's great for the people, it's great for the girls who's looking at them, it's great for the Irish football, ladies football, but they have to get through, like, this is the main thing. Do yeah, you know? I think so, everyone
2: feels that this is the time that it has to happen, like, they've had all these steps, like, obviously, there's the Sky Deal and there's so much more promotion than there was in your day, that it feels like there is a little bit of pressure on them now, because everyone who's gone before them went through the ringer to get them to this point and there's a lot of people watching now but they do have the talent and they have the group that they should be able to to progress you would hope.
3: Yeah, that's what I was thinking like with the like obviously money doesn't make you play better but I mean the deals is great the Sky deal the car, the and car, car but as you said they have to thrive on pressure which to me like that's what you do you thrive on the pressure and you you, you rise to it so they actually did rise to it for um, what well, at the Georgia game, do you know what I mean? But the game that I thought was the Slovakian game that was a bit poor. I thought, and I think that's going to be a problem when they go away. And everyone is all the second and the great. It's great, a great position to be in. But as you said, they have to take the pressure on when they're going away to play these teams.
2: Yeah, and I think we can't get too carried away because of that. Um Finland performance it was really good or but we hit them on the hop nearly yeah. um whereas the Slovakia game was when we were expected to win, much like the Ukraine game in the previous campaign, and we really, really struggled in that game, so um there is a lot of work still to be done, but they do have um everything in place to make life a lot easier for them um mm-hmm. what <laughs> some of you karnov, were one of the the first people to kind of speak about some of the conditions and stuff that you would have gone through it's it's night and day now um, what the squad have. So I think that that's why there is some of the pressure. Do you think maybe with some of the talented players you played with previously, if you had had the same kind of
3: professionalism and all that attached to you, that you could have made those steps? Absolutely, 100%. Because it does make a big difference where the girls with the tracksuit situation. I mean, we were going to... Countries that was two hours away, but because we hadn't got the funding to get a plane straight to it, we were traveling nine and eight hours to get to these places, and it did take its toll because we were leaving on Thursday training on Friday, playing on Saturday, and if we're playing on Saturday, we probably didn't get airfield. Airfield didn't arrive. There was loads of millions of obstacles that I could be here for three hours speaking to you about, but if we had the opportunities and the setup and Everything, they don't have to worry about nothing where we had to worry about every single aspect of their life going to play for their country. I reckon one hundred percent we'd be we'd have qualified. The Mm -hmm. match that comes to mind is the away game against Iceland. Yeah. And I'm not messing, Karen. We play them on an ice rink.
2: Yeah, I think that was one of the first matches I actually got to watch of your away games because it was on I think Eurosport. Eurosport at the time. Like you couldn't even get your footing. It was I, I don't know what kind of match I was expecting to watch, but I was so excited for it because yeah, I, was yeah. like, I knew some of the girls I'd watched or look, looked up to so many of them. And for it to be taken away due to conditions, it just felt heartbreaking for you. Because no, that's like, what you're saying. That's Yeah.
3: When you're saying that taken away, I felt the same at the time. Hmm. I said, these are they, like the ruining and ambition of all these girls. That's a of are putting their heart and soul into it. And like... I was asked the question, I was asked the question, like, why, how can it be called off? Because it should have never had happened. Mm. And I was told "If you fall and you uh, draw blood on your head. Maybe it will be. Mm. Because as you know, the Icelandics were used to it. Yeah. But it was like going up to Smithfield on the ice rink. It was, and it broke my heart because it was the only opportunity I knew that we were going to get to get to it, mm. a campaign, you know, so.
0: Do you ever feel like a sympathy then for, say, like the 11 nil win that Ireland had for like the team on the other side of that, considering the progress that Ireland, we have been able to make and I suppose other teams are still catching up and they're probably at, a, if not a similar level in terms of investment and stuff to where we were a couple of years ago, but they still don't have that interest in the game or like whoever the higher ups in their FA are, they don't have the interest in, I suppose, bringing that team forward and giving them. Opportunities that we have now?
3: No, like that, that's why, like, when I speak about them, when I, t- when I look back, they didn't actually like it's like a right keen effort. They just came for the ride, like in the mm-hmm. the first, seat, uh, in first class seats on the plane. Do you know what I mean? To me, they should have fought for it, and the game could have been played the next day when we were over there in Iceland. I and mean, like you're saying, that uh, there's a difference in the team. We played Sweden in the group, and Sweden beat us 9 0 you know, so that's the, that's where we were coming from as well. We we got beaten like Georgia years ago like that, but I felt like it was, we obviously just uh, tap on the back, it's all right, we get on with, you know, so it was never pushed. Yeah, that's where
2: the was, benefit of the media getting involved now, um, that it, it kind of puts onus on the FAI and it's put onus on the management to, to step up their game as well, which was obviously needed.
3: Absolutely, 100%, and they are stepping up, but if they'd have done it 15 years ago, I reckon we'd have got to a, a campaign. And it wasn't about money. It was about just the organisation and the preparation and your fitness. And like you, 15 years ago, 20, you didn't know what nutrition was. And, you know, you didn't know what SG was, all this. And it's only all coming out now lately, 10, eight years later. But if we'd have having that, I know in my heart, we'd have qualified for a campaign. 100%. Is that, the,
2: is that the thing that's kind of, pushed you into coaching now, would you say, just knowing that you can bring all that experience and you can push the development in that way? Is that what the appeal of coaching was to you or what what has drawn you into that
3: Yeah, but the drive to me is what I feel like what the FAI have to do, they have to do the grassroots first before they do anything else. And at the moment with the Irish ladies team, I don't like the fact that girls go away to play, I just don't like it. It shouldn't happen. Because they're playing in that country and then they're leaving and coming back where years ago, they had to we had three sessions for Ireland, like the ladies in a year, because they couldn't pay for the girls coming over from America and England to train with us. And I feel like that not doing that now, they're paying for them coming over now and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like if we went even semi professional. We'd have an absolutely... It'd be brilliant. I just know in my heart it'd be brilliant. Yeah, I think you're preaching to the converted with me there. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, <laughs> like the
2: I just think we're losing girls too quickly from the league. Like, even if they waited until they had all of their studies and all done, like, it, they're we're losing them too early and it's diluting our league and maybe they're moving before they're quite ready. I think that there has to be some sort of interim structure put structure, in place exactly. really professional so that they can go from amateur to semi-pro to pro. And I think that that's the route it should be. Um, and I think, like you said, it would benefit. We'd have more access to the girls and they could do more training in Abbottstown. Absolutely. They have all the facilities there and there's great coaches in this country. It's just about getting the right structures. So it's yeah. great to hear someone like you, you saying that as well, because... That has that real clout. Um, I mean... Believe I you know.
3: like, oh, it or oh, not, Karen, I've said it for years. Like, even when, like, I stopped playing and like, well, I was going to the Irish girls and <clears throat> speaking to them and she was saying, I might go ho- over here and I might go over here. And I was like, she's 18, she's 19, she's in school, she's still studying. Why does she have to do this? Yeah. You know, like, so my thing is that they should do semi-professional because I believe that they did a lot of girls this stay because homesickness plays a lot on the girls' minds when they go away. And I've seen a few girls come home because of that. Yeah, and I mean, like, girls that could play in the Irish team today and coming back from Arsenal, coming back from uh, Mississippi and Detroit and just giving her up yeah. because they were so disheartened of what happened when they were away.
2: Yeah, and that's the vulnerable age group, I think, as well. It's when they're finished with the underage, they've no more under-19 Irish teams. It's a big step up to senior. We don't have anything that can keep that age group of girls. Um, uh, So, like I say, if we had semi-pro here, it would would be excellent for them, that vulnerable kind of 19 to 22 age group so that we don't lose all of those because we're even losing them to GAA and things like that. So if we had something in place in this country that would keep them, I think it would be excellent because, like I say, not everyone goes and becomes a Katie McCabe in Arsenal. Like No, no. It's it's very rare that that does happen and you have to move to places like Germany or Sweden and there's language barriers. So, like you say, homesickness is a thing and that wouldn't be as big of a thing if you were moving at 23 rather than 18.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But 18, this is when it starts. Mm. Do you know what I think? That's the ideal. 17, 18, 19 is the ideal thing if you were going away at that age group. Mm. But... They do get homesickness because I said, as I said, I do. I've seen them come home and totally just give up football. And these are excellent players. And I just, I told you, I'm speaking about it 15 years, and for 15 years, people have obviously heard me saying, it, and still absolutely nothing done about it in the FAI. Somebody to say to somebody, right? We need to do this, you know. So we need <laughs> to get it out there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> obviously like as you said it would be incredible to have the structures in place and you've been talking about it for 15 years but what advice do you give to the girls who uh, because face the, the the structures aren't there at the moment so what do you say to someone who is thinking I'm going to go off at this stage like is, are you very much still encouraging them to stick around complete their education or is it a case of you just have to let them go
3: and let them experience that for themselves. But I would encourage them to go away, but I wouldn't encourage them if they were playing for League of Ireland, like Shelbourne, p and but if they're only just playing under nineteens, Do you know, like a, a girl asked me a question. She said, Olivia, I don't know what to do. I said, but you have to go with your heart. Do you know what I mean? It's not about money. It's about who you're going with and what the structure is, where you're going. Like a girl asked me, she's 17 years of age. She's like, I want to play for Manchester City women. And I was like, well, Why don't you want to play for Shelbourne ladies? You know, so they don't really know. They're confused because mm. they don't know if the, the, the Shelbourne League, the League of Ireland women's, I think that's going to thrive, but it has to be pushed. Mm. You know, so at the, like a 19 year old now asking me, I'd tell her to stay.
0: Do you think that's as much just because I suppose we haven't had the access to the league in the same way? Like girls aren't necessarily brought up being like, this is your local women's national league team. I mean, I'm from Sligo and we're, Sligo Rovers are just bringing in a team next season. Yeah, congratulations. That- <laughs> <I'm very excited>. <laughs> <laughs> I the on Twitter admins are so annoyed at me. I just keep tweeting about how great it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I just like football was never an option, or was I? Because there was no local team, I never even thought really to look up,
3: like, oh well, who are the Dublin teams or who are the other teams around the country? Yeah, but when you think about it, yeah, under seventeens, nineteens, and they're only out three years, four years, so. You at the four years ago, you tell a girl to, oh, go away, there's nothing here for you. Mm. But now, at the moment, she can go from 17, 19, and then up to the seniors. And maybe if you want to go away when you're in your 21s, 22s, and do 10 years in England, why not? If you're not getting paid for it, you know, as you know, the money is not good here for girls to play football. Mm. No,
2: and I think that one of the things we're seeing is that the association with a men's team is probably important for that development just to piggyback off all of the media and all of um, just the fan base and stuff. I think Shelburne really benefited from that this year. You went to Tolkien. Yeah. It was intimidating almost because they did have a crowd um, that you wouldn't get in another place. So yeah. um, I think that's the way it will go. And if we are going to go semi-pro, that, that's probably what's going to happen. But yeah, it's an interesting time. I, like you say, I think that action does need to happen in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, yeah. Maintain... The, the growth in the country like keep that kind of system from going 17 19 senior and then when you're ready and um, develop some really top class players that can go pro. for
3: we're also the likes of the media tina G, all mm. uh, the showing the games they need to continue this because if they did continue you'd be probably watching an island or the it, the girls playing every night yeah and that's the that's all that can do is just encourage girls i want to play i want to stay here i want to Play for Shelburne, Pima, Waves, Scorwe, you know. So, as you said, Karen, I think in the next two to three years, it needs to be done. Mm. Absolutely.
0: Have you talked in the past about, like, just how much football meant to you and how much you loved it? And if you could still be playing now, you would 100%. But I suppose. <laughs> And I mean, there was a certain point where we probably would have needed you on the team considering the lack of goals we were actually scoring up
1: until recent times. (laughs) (laughs) Very quickly
0: been called out of retirement. But what does it mean to you now to be, I suppose, on the other side of things and coaching the new generations coming through and those grassroots players and I suppose being involved in that development and that side of women's football in the country?
3: Well, I'm getting um questioned more about like by seventeen, sixty my manager usher Celtic ladies and all they want to be is another Kate McCabe and another you don't know about Pearl Slattery, Karen Corn Duggan, you know what I mean? You don't know about Eleanor Ryan Dyle, all these magnificent players that're actually in their league at the moment. So I would say to them, Go to a game, have a look. And you know, encourage them to go to a game. But I actually got a text off an Ireland player after the Georgia game, and I was asked the question, "How did I score for fifty four goals?" And I actually said, "I said I, I can't actually explain to you in a text, but I'll give you a bit of a, it in like I walked with my midfield, my midfield knew exactly where I was at where I was going on the pitch, um, I had an awful lot of confidence." In myself, you need confidence. But the main thing that I had for my country playing for was passion. And I just absolutely loved playing for my country. And I wanted to do 100% every time I played. I mean, I, I'm four foot nothing. And I played against like six foot people. And they have come uh, up to me after a game and says, yeah, absolutely, phenomenal. You should be, I should be playing in America. That's what I used to always get told. Or England or for Arsenal. You know, so I just encourage people, girls. They they love it. They absolutely love it. And as I says, the can the more they see about see it, the more you want to play.
0: Yeah, and I think, like you said, the access. And uh, you you were talking earlier about like the facilities that you had and the different things that you couldn't get access to, and even the fact now that you look after a game and all the girls are giving away their shirts to. There's always a sign yeah. in the crowd like. Katie, can I have your boots? Louise, can I have your shirt? Whatever it is. Like, this is the difference from that aspect of people are starting to, I suppose, because there is more Women's National League representation in the team and it's growing every time. That even from that perspective, people are getting to know the names a lot more, and yeah. hopefully, people know Karen a bit more now that she started
3: this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> about I do. Of football, no. well, the first time I went to see Karen playing was against Bows, and I don't know what you did—you did your elbow, and you broke it. I broke my <laughs> ear. you're a bad omen for me there. <laughs> I was sitting there watching, her and I says, "Oh my god!" I says, and then another girl laughed. You were whole yeah. Yeah. It was a horrible game, like, I mean, <laughs> for injuries and anyway. Yeah. But that's why I are saying, Kathleen, like, even in the League of Ireland, they should have their names on the jerseys, you know, and just to let the little, the little nine-year-old or this uh, Slattery, I want to be like Slattery. I want to be like Kieran Grant. I want to be like Jess Sue, you know. So to me, like, you just, it just has to be out there because, as you know, when we went to a game, when I played for Ireland, the only ones that was there was their families because it was never advertised. It was never, probably on the radio the day before the game, Ireland is playing Spain and good luck. And that was it, Mm. you know, but now you're getting told two months, three months in advance, get out, get your tickets, blah, blah, blah. I used to go around and give my ma, like my ma to give them to our friends and that's how people came to air games, you know. So I just... Like uh, as you said, if I was twenty years of age, I'd be probably playing for Man United. I think. <laughs> <You> <laughs> I mean would... The best it's team I... Your United <laughs> I know, I know, but the best team I've seen so far in all competitions, like I'm watching girls football. I have it on the laptop. I have it on the telly. And I've never ever seen a girls' team play like Barcelona in my life. Yeah, it's
2: incredible. Oh I think they've God. stepped it up to a whole new level, the understanding they all have. Like oh the feel, but they, they're almost telepathic in how oh they and they, the the the, the way on a coaching session there just to see what's exactly,
3: going on. Exactly, exactly. And the man. way they just annihilate Arsenal and Chelsea, the two top teams in England just I couldn't get over it. But mm. when you look at them like they they never stop moving. Mm. Never and the pressure and the and everything like it's a bond it's a team i just like i that's why i'd love to be 20 again because i'd love to play on that team yeah Mm, it was everyone interesting. Everyone would. <laughs> I think everyone
2: would the only reason yeah. I'd leave team out to be of Barcelona
3: came <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why not? like you of- were saying
0: earlier though Olivia like you had that connection with your midfield I think when you watch a team like Barcelona that's what you see they just it's telepathic they all yeah. know where the other I saw them live at the Emirates for the Arsenal game oh, nice. and you're watching Arsenal and you're like are you guys paid to play this yeah, game yeah <laughs> they just they looked like not even an amateur side they looked completely out of shape and they had nothing to do with the ball every time they got it there was like three barcelona players on top of them automatically it was i brought some of the lads from the office who'd never been to a women's
3: football match before and they were like oh so this, is, what yeah.
1: this is cool yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah but imagine like just as karen said watching one of their coaching sessions like I mean, if I was the Arsenal manager, that's the first thing I'd have done after the game. I went and watched that game, studied it, and then implemented it in training, you know. So, but you can't just do it like that before it's over time. Like, (laughs) you know, I'd love it.
0: And Olivia, i Something you've talked about before in the past, and I think probably with grassroots, it's quite important is developing confidence in like young mm-hmm. girls and women when they're playing football. Because again, I suppose we're we're still getting to a point in society where girls feel like their place is on a football pitch, or they feel like you know they're entitled to be there. How how do you go about building that confidence
3: in young players? It's just it's basically putting your arm around them and telling them they're good enough because. In girls, I find between 16 and 18, that confidence is on the floor, especially when you're yeah, playing a match on the sideline and some man says, you know, it, a comment and the fate, the head goes down. And so you have to wait till half time to grab her by the shoulder and say, look, don't mind him, just list, listen to me. Don't listen to anybody, only me on the sideline. And then when she comes off, she'll leave you all right. I didn't listen to him because I've seen girls Actually walk off pitches because of this. Do you know what I mean? So you have to, there's a, a, a the, team between a coach and being a counselor. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? So you have to look after them as well. So I just put my arm around them and just say, you just keep in saying to yourself, you're good enough. If you keep in saying that and practice makes perfect, don't ever say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. You say you're always good enough. And if you can't do something, you try and try and try and try.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why it's so great to have someone with your profile involved in the game. Like if someone like you is putting their arm around your shoulder, you're going to you're going to be like, OK, well, this is, <laughs> this is legend in Irish football and saying Oh, I should listen. Going,
3: <laughs> no one gone red. Karen, so so
2: red. it'd be great to get <laughs> kind of, more of more of the girls who um, have retired and stuff back into the game and maybe push it on that way as well. Like that's kind of highlighting the importance of coaching. I know that there's more girls getting involved in that, which is great to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That that human aspect is is massively important and you have to have that to be a good coach. I think that's as a player, you react to that more than someone who's going to give you the best tactical session ever. If someone has that belief in you and has... Like that caring element that's really important, particularly for young girls. Out there, yeah,
3: yeah, because I've seen like a, a girl speaking, time, then you get the lip, like you know, mm. and, it's, and put your arm around, and then that great like, second half. That's it's just a little thing. That's all you need, and I can see it in the girls. Like it makes a big difference. Mm. Well,
0: Olivia, thank you so much for joining us this season, this this evening, <laughs> the season and this evening. I'll go for both. <laughs> I'll do like a little football. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But it was absolutely wonderful to have you.
3: No problem, Kathleen, and thanks very
2: much. Thank, Thank you, Karen. Oh, it was amazing. But definitely, don't come and see me in any more games. I know.
3: this and Happy Christmas, Happy Happy Christmas,
0: New Year. Olivia. Take care. Um, uh, that's this week's Koi Gig Pod. An OTB Sports and Association with Cabri FC official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland Women's National Team. Sadly, this is the last Koi Gig podcast for 2021, but fear not, we will be back in January with more reaction and analysis for, of all the WSL action, more questionable teams of the week, and plenty more interviews with all of the core people in the world of Irish women's football. Thank you, and we'll see you in the new year.
1: The Koi Gig pod and OTV Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.